Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Xi Zhi. Coming up in the session, the United Nations says an Israeli tank strike caused mass casualties at a huge UN compound in Gaza that shelters displaced Palestinians. Russia has accused Ukraine of deliberately downing a military transport plane carrying captured Ukrainian soldiers over Russian territory, and China and Uzbekistan have upgraded ties to an all-weather comprehensive strategic partnership for the new era. We begin with the Middle East. The United Nations has reported mass casualties from an Israeli tank strike at a huge UN compound in Gaza that shelters displaced Palestinians. A UN official says the attack occurred in the southern city of Han Yunus. Israel has denied responsibility. Noah Harazin reports in Rafa. This UN facility, it is actually one of the biggest facilities for the UN in Gaza. It is a very big training center, and uh, around it there is storages for aid. It is located in uh, West Khan Yunis in Al Mawasi area. So um, at the beginning of this Israeli operation on Gaza, and during the past months and weeks, people were actually heading to this facility for safety. As As it is、uh, belonging to the UN, as it is a ce- central headquarters for the humanitarian aid that enters the Gaza Strip, we're talking about tens of thousands of people that are displaced inside this、uh, facility, taking it as a shelter. Over the past days and during Israel's intensified attacks on Khan Yunis, several shells actually landed inside this、uh, facility, the、uh, UN Training Center.、Uh, Uh, fire uh, sat in the fa-、uh, in the tents and the buildings、uh, inside this、uh, facility. According to the Palestinian Health Ministry, 14 people were killed, including eight women.、Uh, those、uh, people were actually buried inside the UN Training Center because the、uh, ambulances and the paramedics did not manage to reach them.、Uh, there were more than 70、uh, injuries reported. Most of these people actually arrived to the Anna.、Uh, Jar Hospital here in Rafah during the very late hours at night. Only after they managed to evacuate and get out from the、um, UN training center. That's Noah Harzing on the mass casualties at a huge UN compound in Gaza. Protesters have taken to the streets in Tel Aviv again, calling on the Israeli government to secure the release of more than 100 hostages still held in the Gaza Strip. Israel has ruled out a Gaza ceasefire as it continues to bomb the Strip's southern areas. Sarah Coates has more. The Wolokhi is under immense pressure from here in Israeli's protests that have been happening right around the country. In Jerusalem, down near the Kerem Shalom crossing, also yesterday with demonstrators blocking aid trucks from getting into the Gaza Strip, and in Tel Aviv, that last protest had 5,000 people taking to the streets, blocking road, roads, chanting, "We need a deal now." And of course, there's growing frustration, growing anger over the fate of these 130. Plus hostages that do remain inside the Gaza Strip, and this pressure on the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. A recent poll that was conducted here in Israel showed that around 53% of respondents believe 
that he is motivated by his personal interest, with that same poll showing that the former Defence Minister, Benny Gantz, that his party, the National Unity Party, would be well-placed to form a coalition. So, look, certainly a lot of pressure there uh, for Netanyahu and also internationally. We know that there have been uh, many people visiting the region. Uh, we, the latest was uh, British uh, Foreign Secretary Cameron. He had a meeting with Netanyahu. Before that meeting, he said that he would be pushing for a ceasefire, pushing for a hostage release deal. There's just been a recording also played on Israeli media, one of the television channels here, uh, which uh, reportedly showed Netanyahu airing his frustrations with the main mediator of all of these deals, Qatar, calling it problematic. Qatar is now lashing out at Netanyahu, saying that... Uh, they are appalled by these comments if they are indeed true, calling them irresponsible and destructive to efforts to save innocent lives. So, look, he certainly is a man under pressure and we cannot expect uh, these protests to wind up anytime soon. That was Sarah Coates in Tel Aviv. In Europe, Russia has accused Ukraine of deliberately downing a military transport plane carrying captured Ukrainian soldiers over Russian territory. Russia says the Ukrainians were due to be a part of a prisoner swap. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has called for full clarity on a plane crash, accusing Moscow of playing with the lives of Ukrainian prisoners. Mengumi Lin has more from Kyiv. Russia's defense ministry said 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war, along with six Russian crew members and three Russian soldiers, were on board the Illusion Il-76 military transport plane they claim was shot down by Kyiv over the village of Yablonovo in the Belgorod region, which borders Ukraine. The defense ministry said Russia's aerospace forces had observed the launch of two Ukrainian missiles from Ukraine's Kharkiv region. The ministry has called the incident a barbaric act of terrorism. The governor of Belgorod said the plane crashed in a field and that everyone on board was killed. Ukraine's military intelligence spokesperson Andriy Yusov did confirm that a prisoner swap was planned for Wednesday, saying the exchange had not yet taken place. Ukrainian media outlet Ukrainska Pravda initially reported that Kyiv had shot down the plane because it was carrying S-300 missiles but later withdrew the report saying that the information had not been confirmed by other sources. A video that was published on the Telegram messaging app shows the plane plummeting and a large explosion taking place shortly after. If Russia's claims are confirmed, this would be the deadliest incident of its kind to take place within Russia's borders since the start of the conflict. Russia and Ukraine have regularly swapped prisoners throughout the almost two-year-old conflict. The last one, which was the biggest exchange so far, took place on January 3rd with more than 200 soldiers being returned on each side. That was Megumi Lim on the crash of a Russian military transport plane, which killed 74 people on board. German train drivers started a record-long six-day strike on Wednesday after negotiations with the national train operator failed to produce an agreement on pay and working hours. Trent Murray has more. It all centres around a pay dispute between unions and company management. Drivers, well, they're seeking a 600 US dollar a month wage increase in order to combat inflation. They also want to have their working week reduced from 38 to 35 hours without any loss of pay. 
Deutsche Bahn, though, well, they say that is just not workable and has accused the union of holding it hostage. Now, with unions and Deutsche Bahn's management seemingly no closer to reaching an agreement anytime soon, there could be more pain to come for both the travelling public and the economy as a whole. That was Trent Murray on train drivers' strike in Germany. Turning to North America, Donald Trump and U.S. President Joe Biden have delivered impressive wins in the New Hampshire primaries. Trump, who won by a narrower than expected margin, is the first non-incumbent Republican candidate in the modern era to win in both New Hampshire and Iowa. Biden's win came despite his name not officially being on the ballot. Corinna Mitchell reports from New Hampshire. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Whoa. A significant win for Donald Trump in his quest for a second non-consecutive term in the White House, handily defeating Republican rival Nikki Haley in New Hampshire's GOP presidential primary. But coming out swinging after the former South Carolina governor and United Nations ambassador conceded the state but refused to quit. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. Just a little note to Nikki. She's not going to win. The former president's double-digit victory adds to his delegate count after an historic first-place finish in Iowa and puts him on track to secure a third consecutive Republican presidential nomination despite facing 91 felony charges. On the Democratic side, incumbent Joe Biden easily defeated closest rival Dean Phillips, doing so as a write-in candidate. His name didn't appear on the New Hampshire ballot due to a dispute over the date of the state's primary. As a result, no delegates were awarded. On the campaign trail in Virginia, the incumbent spared no time going after Trump. I'm betting come November, we will vote on a record numbers. When we do that, we'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Voters we spoke with after casting their ballots were decisive about who they wanted and didn't want to win. Nikki Haley. Why? Um, Because I think she's the only alternative and I think she's the best uh, candidate and I think the country needs a change. Dean Phillips. If Joe Biden didn't register to be on the ballot in New Hampshire, I'm not writing him in, okay? He's totally written off New Hampshire in my mind. He never came and visited once. President Trump will be the 47th president of the United States. Both Biden and Trump, along with the rest of the field, now turn their attention to South Carolina, Nevada, and Michigan next month, as a possible rematch between the two in a general election now appears more likely. That was Corinna Mitchell on the primaries of the U.S. presidential election. In South America, protests have erupted across Argentina in a major challenge to President Javier Millet's proposals for economic and labor law reforms. This come just weeks after Millet took office. Joe Richards reports from Buenos Aires. A show of power from Argentina's trade unions, hundreds of thousands taking to the streets to protest the young government's radical economic reforms. We are very sad with the new government because barely a few days after taking office, they're implementing fierce austerity measures that hurt us and retirees. Far-right President Millet is pushing forward with a mega decree and omnibus bill. Together, they would introduce sweeping reforms that aim to deregulate the economy and could see state-run companies privatized, moves the government says are necessary after years of overspending. 
Strike action was held across the country. The government's proposed reforms impact regional economies and individual sectors. Less than two months into his presidency, Javier Millet has already faced his first national strike, the first called by trade unions since 2019. Medical workers say they are already feeling the impact of austerity measures and the proposed laws would increase the costs of medicine. In the health sector, we see that there are several aspects of the reforms that hurt workers, but also patients too. Juan Gabriel Mendez is part of a group of business owners that support the reforms. He believes the power of unions in Argentina stifles growth and says the country needs a radical change in direction. We have to try a different type of government that will bring in changes. Then we have to give it time. We have had previous economic experiences which have hurt Argentina a great deal. We have to think differently. Congress is debating the bill and the government is pushing to have the legislation approved in the lower house. Meanwhile, unions and social organisations sent a message they will resist any move to rewrite the country's social contract. That was Jill Richards on the protests in Argentina against President Millet's economic reforms. Now in Africa, violent clashes between the Sudanese armed forces and the rapid support forces at an army command post in West Cordovan state have caused mounting casualties among local civilians. Patrick Oyed has more. Sudan's armed forces says the paramilitary rapid support forces began attacking its headquarters in Babanosa on Monday. The Sudanese army says it repelled the attack, but local residents say sporadic fighting is continuing in the area. The fighting has caused significant damage to Babanosa's infrastructure, destroying homes and public facilities. Dozens of civilians have been killed, according to local reports. The area's main market and hospital are now closed. The violence sparked a wave of displacement among local residents. South Sudan's government says it has now received close to 500,000 people fleeing violence in Sudan. These are people who are fleeing the rapid response because they are moving southwards. They have captured Medani, they are moving towards uh, Blue Nile and they are moving towards, uh, towards uh, Gabarif. So the people have started to flee from there and uh, we are expecting more people to, to come to our side. West Kordofan is a region rich in natural resources such as oil and gold. The area is economically important for Sudan's government, fighting between the paramilitary rapid support forces and Sudan armed forces broke out in Khartoum in mid-April last year and is now spreading in most parts of the country. That was Patrick Elliott reporting on the latest situation in Sudan. Finally, in China, China and Uzbekistan have upgraded ties to an all-weather comprehensive strategic partnership for the new era. The two sides reached the agreement during talks between the Chinese and Uzbek presidents in Beijing. Zhang Dan has more. The two sides called for greater belt and road cooperation and improved measures to facilitate trade and investment. The emphasis is on sectors including traditional, renewable and grain energy and the transformation of high-tech achievements. The two sides also stress closer cooperation within the framework of building a grain silk road. Areas include grain technology, smart agriculture and water conservation technology. The construction of the China Central Asia Transportation Corridor is another focus. 
The two sides seek greater efforts towards the launch of the China-Kyrgyzstan-Uzbekistan railway construction project designed to enhance regional connectivity. The agreement also emphasized the importance of cooperation in health and biotechnology. It calls for further collaboration in vaccine research, disease prevention and control, and health emergency response. The two sides also vowed enhanced exchanges and information sharing in the fight against terrorism, separatism, and extremism, as well as cross-border organized crime. China and Uzbekistan say they will continue to strengthen mutual support and cooperation within the framework of multilateral mechanisms such as the UN, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, and the Conference on Interaction and Confidence Building Measures in Asia. They also called for expanded cooperation in areas including education, culture, tourism, and youth exchanges. That was John Dan on the agreement between China and Uzbekistan to upgrade bilateral ties. A fire at a building in Xingyu, Jiangxi Province, has killed 39 people and injured nine others. Police have taken 12 people into custody as part of the investigation. Huang Fei reports. I'm at the site of the deadly fire, which occurred at the shop complex in the basement there,、uh, where a cold storage unit was under renovation, and workers violating safety protocols is believed to have caused the fire. Now, heavy smoke quickly spread to the first and second floor, which houses a hotel and a, a training center, where several classes were in session at the time.、Uh, some people were seen、uh, climbing down the second floor window with the help of. Firefighters. More than 100 firefighters were sent to the scene, and after nearly five hours, government officials said there were no longer any people trapped inside the building. Tragically, 39 people are confirmed to have died in the blaze, and at least another nine were injured. Most of the injured are said to be in a stable condition in hospital, with one still receiving critical care. Authorities say police are investigating 12 people in connection with the fire, including the person in charge of cold storage facilities. The incident has prompted President Xi Jinping to call for thorough investigations and enhanced safety inspections. On Wednesday evening, authorities conducted a blanket search for fire hazards in schools, with a focus on boarding facilities, and have ordered all training centers to suspend operations and cooperate with fire risk assessments conducted by authorities. That was Huang Fei on the deadly fire at a building in Jiangxi Province. And recapping today's headlines, the United Nations says an Israeli tank strike has caused mass casualties at a huge UN compound in Gaza that shelters displaced Palestinians. Russia has accused Ukraine of deliberately downing a military transport plane carrying captured Ukrainian soldiers over Russian territory. And China and Uzbekistan have upgraded ties to an all-weather comprehensive strategic partnership for the new era. And that's it for this edition of the Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Xi Zhi. Thank you for listening.